I wrote a speech this morning. A speech? Well, a tirade? A rant? A tirade. Right. No, Because no. since I watched live last night, I typed my notes, so I printed them this morning. So when mm-hmm. I printed them, I was like, oh, I'm doing all my shit. I'm writing all my stuff for later on here. Wow. So that I just get it out of the way and I'm not, you know, stuttering into space. So should <laughs> I Should I just be quiet and let you go? Like, are you just going to do well, this Well, no, that's for later. That's... A one-woman show? Oh, no, oh, okay. This is for th- my later speech. <laughs> I thought you meant, like, you wrote down, like, oh, no. how you want to say everything you wanted to say about this episode. I was oh, like, that's oh, so... Oh, no, it's going to be a, so shit, ambitious. a shit storm tangent <laughs> like normal. Great. Okay, good. I think that's what our listeners have come to expect. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to disappoint them. That's for sure. Great. This is I Hate It. Let's Watch It. I'm Lisa. And I'm Dawn. And to get us started, here's our 60-second summary. Just when we thought the gays could live happily ever after in Riverdale, Tom Keller decides that he doesn't like what he's seeing from Kevin and forces him to join the basketball team to get in touch with his manly side. That would have been bad enough, except he goes even further by enlisting Julian Blossom to set Kevin up with a female sex worker in the hopes of straightening him out. Archie notices that Kevin needs an ally and starts making an effort to make Kevin feel more included, which is kind of sweet. After Veronica's parents cut off her allowance, she starts working at the movie theater in town and becomes inspired to save it from going out of business. Her efforts are seemingly for naught when the owner reveals he plans to sell the theater to the lodges, who plan to demolish it, but then in a very Veronica move, she can convinces the owner to sell the theater to her instead. Jughead and his author idol Brad Rayberry make amends, and Rayberry helps Jughead get out of trouble with Principal Featherhead and Dr. Werther's for his comic book stories, and Betty gets revenge on her overbearing mother by flashing her panties on the live TV broadcast of Riverdale Grandstand with one hell of a twirl. And in a very ominous cliffhanger ending, the milkman pays a late night visit to Brad Rayberry, and we can only hope that he's not lactose intolerant. I legit, oh my god, it's not getting any better except for, we finally got our milkman. At the very, very, very end of the episode. And it came out of nowhere. Yeah, I was not expecting to see. To the most random character, so I just wasn't expecting that, but it made me a little excited for next week. So I'm like, okay, can we work on that? Because it's like Ethel's just been forgotten completely. And there's no avenging of her parents' death at all. (laughs) Avenging? (laughs) I mean, there's no justice. There's no investigation. I mean, that's what Werther's and Featherhead, for some reason, and Clifford Blossom all wanted. They didn't want anybody investigating. And they're doing a good job because nobody's investigating. But like... (sighs) I feel like Jughead should be investigating because he was so into the whole thing. And then like suddenly he's so distracted by his own success with comic books and everything that he just like has completely forgotten that Ethel is in trouble. (laughs) And it's disappointing, too, because he was so involved and seemed very committed towards helping her. And, you know, feeling awful for being somewhat of a I don't want to say an instigator, (laughs) but I mean... In a way, she yeah. did the drawing. Yeah, he the did encourage her to. Well, he yeah, he encouraged her to get involved in the in Pep Comics in the first place, which is why her parents were upset. And so, like all the things leading up to the murder, even he was kind of involved with. And then afterwards, when he broke into her house and took the, <laughs> took the drawing and the comic book and then just hid it in his train car instead of disposing of evidence like a fucking idiot. Yeah, so he he probably feels responsible, and maybe he should. <laughs> So, yeah, but he's not feeling guilty anymore because he's just gone about his life. 
Yeah, I think he feels like, oh, she's somewhere safe, quote unquote. So, like, I don't have to keep tabs on her anymore and I can concentrate on my own shit now. Maybe. And maybe that's just because we know too much about the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. So we know that's not a safe place for her to be. Right. It's not the case at all. But but... I do feel like somebody else said something that made me think that they did know. Like, I think they were talking about conversion therapy, like the... Okay, I don't I don't remember exactly what it was, but I'm pretty sure they know that the Sisters of Quiet Mercy is like not a good place. So and I think it was discussed in that little, you know, meeting with yeah. their head and, that, you know, like I think they might have mentioned. It. I mean, they probably did. But in terms of Jughead knowing that Ethel might need rescuing from this place, I think he should know that. Yeah, I mean, in the very least, he could think that it's, you know, it's just content for his next comic. At the very <laughs> least, he could just visit, you know? Yeah, true. Give her a little update on life. Yeah, just see how she is. Check in on her. Her parents did just get murdered. Brutal. Yeah. So anyway, wow, that was like kind of a tangent. So yes, at the, <laughs> the very end of this episode, the milkman yeah. knocks on Brad Rayberry because we're not done with him. And can I tell you, I'm so mad because I was really proud of myself for not mispronouncing his name the last episode when we were talking about him. And now it's like, damn it, I have to do this again. I mean, I have a feeling this is his last episode. Oh, you think? I don't think. You don't think so? No. Fake. You think he's good at self-defense? <laughs> <laughs> No, but I I feel, I mean, actually, I guess it could be because we did just kind of reconcile his issues with Jughead and now they seem to be real good pals. And he's like, right. and, and Jughead's I, in a good spot yeah, now with your his whole shit. life is ahead of you. And then now he's just going to get killed in his apartment or house or whatever. This will affect Jughead way more than Ethel has. Right. And then now it's going to inspire him to get back into the murder mystery. He should be like, oh, right. People are dying. That milkman guy. She mentioned him. Okay. Finally, it affects me directly. So (laughs) I guess I'll care now. But uh, yeah, we don't know. I mean, all we see is he opens the door to this milkman who does not look like anybody we know. No. But is probably one of the creepiest milkmen I've ever seen. (laughs) Oh, my God. And it's like it was nighttime. So obviously it was one of those like, what the fuck are you doing here now? Right, like, sorry for the late hour, but, like, I'm the milkman. It's like, <laughs> And he's dressed like... An old-timey milkman. And Well, yeah, but <laughs> they are in the 50s. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, like, it was giving Britney Spears toxic vibes with just the coloring of... the Like, he wasn't wearing a typical white milkman outfit. It was, like, teal and red. And yeah, it was a little bit interesting extra. Interesting colors, yeah. And even him, even his face, he was very, like, well-groomed. You know, like, not your average, like, kind of grizzly, like, scary-looking serial killer. He looked very kept. His face was very red, though. He looked like he was... <laughs> either nervous overheated i don't know overheated overheated <laughs> i mean those milkman outfits they're probably right he's in layers he's hot he's gotta wear a hat <laughs> you never know i'm just saying milk was a bad choice milk was a bad choice <laughs> so that's all we know i mean we don't see what happens after that so that's why we're kind of debating whether or not mr rayberry is going to be okay but i will have to wait to find out we just Started with the most interesting thing that happened in this episode. So now we're, we did. where do you want to go from here? Because <laughs> I feel like everything else is stuff we just are repurposing, but making it 50s. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with, ah, oh, fuck. I mean, they intertwine a lot. So I'm trying to think of the best. Well, maybe we should finish talking about Jughead. 
So okay. we had ended the last episode with Featherhead finding out that Jughead has been authoring some of these violent comic books. So in this episode, Featherhead and Dr. Werther's, they team up and basically give him an ultimatum. He needs to stop writing comic books for Pap Comics or they're going to expel him from high school. I don't know if they could do that. I don't know either. And I feel like, okay, well, of course, in typical Jughead fashion, he's like, well, I'm just going to quit school. Right. Yeah. That's a very Jughead move. Right? Like, it's not even... It's Yeah. Like, there was no threat there for him, really, it's because like, mm, he dropped out of school. I'll just do this then. Yeah. So then he's at Pep Comics working full time now because he's got nowhere else to be. And Ray, Brad Rayberry <laughs> shows up. Nice catch, nice catch. Shows up to get his paycheck or royalties or whatever and sees Jughead and things are awkward. Jughead's like, I'm so really sorry. And it's just like, shut up. But Brad asks him, oh, shouldn't you be at school? And then Jughead kind of tells him about what happened. And then they go to Pops. Basically, Brad telling Jughead, don't drop out. This is stupid. You should consider writing under a pseudonym and like then you can keep writing your comics and and then like (laughs) pretend to be writing something else that's much more harmless i didn't even write it down but it's something about a duck. super duck right super duck right super ducks it's just so lame <laughs> so then jughead and brad who is apparently now his guardian mm-hmm. go to the school and jughead signs the contract and they were like yeah but like stipulation is i still get to write comics but they're gonna be the super duck comics and you can't object to that and dr werther's tries and then that's when <laughs> Brad Oh my god. Brad threatens to take him to the Supreme Court. <laughs> like legit like <laughs> the highest level yeah. of legal action. Yeah. <laughs> And like, for what crime? Like, there's, he's not a lawyer. Like, how does he even? They're all fighting the weirdest battles. Like you even said, like about the whole, like expelling Jughead. Like you can't do that. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to take you straight to the Supreme Court. Well, that's not really going to work that well. And (laughs) like, they're just empty threats at this point. They don't even really have the money to like. to litigate that kind of thing so whatever (laughs) but they get Featherhead and Dr. Werther's to agree that this is okay and basically this is the celebratory dinner at Pops they go and Brad is like well like would you like to be my official mentee now you know I'll just teach you everything I know and whatever Mm. and Jughead is like so hard for this yes and he brings up Brad's novel that he you know the one he stole stole (laughs) And they're called the Jupiter Journals. And I was like, oh, that's the Martian Chronicles. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God, because I did mention that was my favorite book of his. But I just thought it was funny because I didn't realize it was the Jupiter Journals. <laughs> yeah, it's just like and the name is so Riverdale, too. Well, like, yeah, it's like have it. it's just like the cost of pepper. You know, like this is the yeah. same thing. Oh, my God. So stupid. But yeah, so like they're best friends now. And like while I don't dislike this thing for Jughead because I do feel like it's nice for him since he doesn't seem to have any parents. (laughs) It's nice for him to have somebody looking out for him and telling him like, no, you need to stay in school. But also like I'm also going to help you, you know, support your dream. So it's nice for him to have somebody like that. But he might be dead now. So. short-lived also he had a wedding ring on and we know nothing about a wife whatever so that's it for Jughead right he was pretty straightforward this week 
Yeah, I think that was really the end of that. I just I keep. Oh, go ahead. No, I just I want to mention and we'll probably talk about this a lot based on who we're talking about. But there was a lot of 50s era lingo in this episode. Jughead called the contract a load of hooey. Which yeah, was... he said, cut the gas. Biggest load of hooey. I wrote it down because <laughs> it was so bad. They were back to back. I'm like, that's too much for one sentence. Yes. I don't like it. And um, there was a lot of beeswax, too. And that was like among a couple of people who said, you know, like, mind your own beeswax or whatever, which is, yeah. <laughs> is what it is. I keep staring at this one part of my notes that I highlighted because right in the beginning, we're getting the after effects of the peep show. Oh, yes. Actually, so I missed the first minute maybe of Riverdale because oh. I, I was watching a documentary that ended like right at the <laughs> at the starting time. There you go. So I came in kind of late and I was like, oh, shit, I missed a little bit. So what happens in like the first minute? Okay, so basically, they're both being confronted the next morning. Yes. And Hal is saying to Betty something about, you know, you were dancing in the window in your skivvies. (laughs) And then then Uncle Frank says, which this was weird, because he went from being this crazy hard ass. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he calls Betty a Uh, voluptuous peach of a young girl. Unfortunately, I did tune in for that. Oh, you did get that (laughs) part? Yeah, I saw the part with (laughs) Uncle Frank. I missed the confrontation with Betty, which is actually what I wanted to see because I wanted to see if anybody was going to say like how they knew that this was going on. But it was quick, and then it was the blaming of Veronica, and then that's okay. when the phone call started, where okay. it was like phone tag. Yeah, because when I you know. by the time I got there, I wasn't sure why Veronica was implicated because she wasn't even there. <laughs> so, right. Um, yeah. Okay. But yes, that is a very awkward conversation with Uncle Frank and Archie, and he's basically just like, "Well, you're just a regular red blooded male." That doesn't make him pissed off, though. Which no, I right? So fucking. Funny and also, he bursts into that fucking room like Archie. What are you doing? And it's like, so you were mad last night, but like now you're fine. You're cool. Like now you're like yeah. And isn't that what got him into trouble with Cheryl in the first place? So like, why do you like what? <laughs> yeah, that was. And yeah, I never want to hear. I never want to hear Uncle Frank voluptuous talk, talk about Betty like that ever again. It's so no, fucking it was gross. not good. Like, I, my stomach is uncomfortable right now thinking about it. Oh yeah, it was one of those moments of like, did I just hear that right? You know, it was. He said it slowly, like the sentence was slow. Oh yeah, because he had to. Every yeah. time he went to the next word, I was like, "What is he gonna say?" Like I was scared. Lord. I was so. What's ter- the outcome? I was so terrified of the next word that was gonna come out of his mouth. I was like, "Be careful here, Uncle Frank. This is a lawsuit. Yeah, <laughs> we can I'm- take this to the Supreme Court." Exactly. <laughs> you and your mustache. <laughs> Get that mustache behind bars. So, yeah, so this then it gets back that it's Veronica's fault and it was her idea. So basically Alice and Alice is on the phone with her Hermione or does she call the fuck is Cheryl's mom's name? Penelope. Penelope. I saw that phone call. I don't know if there was another one. Yeah. And then basically just saying that at one point, saving her little hussy of a daughter. (laughs) I was like, whoa, holy shit. They really think that Betty is this fucking whore. Right. After Cheryl went around making everybody think that she and Archie were banging like at all hours of the day and night. 
And Cheryl overhears that conversation. And I feel like she kind of, on top of Alice and Hal making the decision, now Betty's going to have to literally be on Riverdale Bandstand. Grandstand. Grandstand, sorry. (laughs) Stop changing all the names on me. For literally three, like from the moment she gets out of school until like dinner time. Yeah. (laughs) Dinner time. And it's so funny because it's a threat, but not like it's probably the easiest fucking thing she has to do. But she's just like Cheryl is involved. She's like the dance coordinator Uh, or whatever. The dance captain, I believe, is what they called her. But it's because the Blossoms are the biggest sponsors for the station or something. How funny was that commercial? Oh, my God. That was that was uncomfortable. <laughs> it was so weird. And and like, I think the tagline was like, not just for breakfast. And it was like, what? But like, what else are you what putting are- your syrup on? They did say ice cream. Rum. <laughs> they're going to mix it with rum. Oh, but that's in the future, John. They don't. They're not even thinking about that. No. So I feel like this whole thing with Betty, though, is very quick. It was a very minor part of this episode. It was. And it was just really her putting her foot down with her parents yet again, because Alice is such a fucking bitch. And also dealing with the double standard of how women are treated versus how men are treated when it comes to sexual scandals. Because right. they, she walks into school the next day and everybody's looking at her. Everybody's whispering about her. And you can tell it's not friendly energy. Like, they're not impressed with her. They're saying, right, they're like, not oh, this hussy. And then Archie walks in and everyone's cheering and high-fiving and being like, yo, you're the man. And, like, it, it was, like, a little heavy-handed in terms of that dynamic that we're all very familiar with. But it is making the point of, hey, men tend to be given a pass for the same exact behavior that women are crucified for and it's stupid <laughs> it is alice also calls archie a red-headed pervert <laughs> I that was funny <laughs> oh my god i hate alice so much like i would love if she died i would love if the milkman got her <laughs> like of course we're reverting back to first season alice no this is liter- all season alice this is every single season this is how alice behaves she has zero she character little- growth <laughs> she got a little better mm. at one point i think when she was with fp she kind of no. changed her tune a little bit no a little bit don who bit. did the rewatch who did the rewatch here fine you win alice sucked every single day of riverdale ever Every day, all the time. So, yeah, she she basically then gets... What, now, why did she get punished and was told, like, you can't dance at all now? You just have to sit there? <sighs> because she's out on the dance floor and some guy approaches her named Troy and says, hey, do right. you want to dance? So she dances with him. But he has heard the rumors and is like, so I hear you like it when guys watch you or whatever. And is basically saying, like, after this, let's go down to the river and we'll do some shit. And he's kind of copping a feel. And so she so Betty says, get your paws off me. And then she slaps him across the face. On, oh, right. And it's on live, on live TV. So this is so disruptive that Alice is like, I'm going to tell all the boys not to dance with you and you'll just be miserable and sitting there the whole time alone. And it's like, you're an evil, evil woman. <laughs> right. And it's like, oh, and how horrible was it watching her in hell? Like in the okay. weirdly like, and then she sticks her tongue out at Betty like a child. Right. She's such an asshole. <laughs> She's so obnoxious. But I have to say, I really had a hard time not thinking about hairspray in this episode. 
Right? Yeah. When, especially because when Alice first tells her that she's going to be on the show, that he's like, um, those are all the nerds and geeks and stuff. And so then I, I have in my head, I'm singing like nicest kids in town. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so very hairspray, that whole thing. I just, and as I watched it too, I'm like, people, like, I know they kind of watch for the music, but like, they're really just watching the this show to just watch people dance yeah well i mean i guess that was the impression we got in hairspray too it was like where kids learned new dance moves and where you know they would show you what the latest craze was which by the way the twirl was literally yeah i think that was supposed to be a play on the twist maybe (laughs) well it wasn't great (laughs) no it was literally just betty made it so much more interesting Well, Britney would have won that if there was a contest. Britney Spears would have won because she's just twirling away on Britney Spears. Yeah. Oh, I'm. Oh, my God. Oh, you don't follow? No. Okay. Well, to our listeners, if you follow (laughs) Britney Spears, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. But yeah, so then she gets it in her head that I'm going to show my parents, mostly my mom, and uh, I'm going to get off this fucking show because I hate it. Right. And decides to do the do the twirl. But um really now what I don't get is all the other girls were during the twirl. How did they not have their skirts go up that high? I think there's a couple reasons. First of all, Betty was really twirling. I think the other girls were kind of doing a more demure kind of twirl. But I also think that the other girls had heavier skirts. Betty's looked very light and so like the fabric lifted much easier. And some of them I think even had like layers like a petticoat or something underneath. Oh, that's true. Maybe a slip or something so that that wouldn't happen. I think they're you know those like nice good girls were making sure that they didn't flash their underwear to the entire country but betty wanted to show people what she's got and she she sure did you want a peep show you're gonna get (laughs) and sure enough she was kicked off the show yay betty (laughs) yes but she broke alice's heart and so we should feel really bad about that yeah okay yeah fuck that i don't even think betty feels bad about that alice can jump off a bridge i do not care but she's in trouble at school because she shows yes. up the next day and everybody is now praising her. I know. Like, I loved her confidence in that scene where she I, was I just kind of like she kind of figured out how to live with her sexuality and be OK with the fact that she's a bit more liberated than people would like her to be. And, you know, yep. in the beginning of the episode, you see that she's kind of uncomfortable with the attention. But now she's like owning it and good for her. Yeah, she's all about it. And she gets to the end of the hall and you see, of course, Dr. Werther standing there. And he says to her, you know, so tortured. What are we going to do with you? And I'm like, fuck off. Like, do you have anything better to do than just pick out these students and make their lives miserable? Like, I know. Yeah. I don't know if he has any sort of ulterior motives here in terms of like a bi- a grander plan. I don't right. I don't know what he what he's doing. Maybe he is literally just trying to kill fun wherever he sees it. <laughs> He's like uh, Principal Honey back in the day. Oh. Well, in the future. I love how I'm like back in the day. No, it's really in the future. <laughs> back, in, back to the future. Back to the future. Okay, so that was the Betty of it all. Yes. Oh, do we want to get into... This made me sad. What? Do we want to get into the Kevin of it all? This so was... end on this part? Yeah, this was wildly depressing. And I feel like we got lulled into a false sense of security the past several episodes where, like, we hadn't seen them in a while, but where we left off, they were, like, Kevin and Clay were together and seemingly right. happy and fine. And then we were focusing on Tony and Cheryl, and now that's good. And so it was just like, okay, we took care of the gay problem. 
that is fine for everybody. And now it's suddenly not fine for Kevin. <laughs> it's like, can no. we not? Can we not do this, please? And it like it just it made me so sad. And it starts with Sheriff Keller basically in Kevin's room and he sees like a bodybuilder magazine. Mm-hmm. And questions him on it. Right. Like, why do you have this? Ke- basically. Right. And I thought Kevin was pretty good at his answer. Like, yeah, like he, I, it's a bodybuilding magazine. Like, I want right. to build my body. So <laughs> it wasn't porn. Right. Like, exactly. It wasn't a gay porn magazine. No. So, yeah. So that basically but he, starts yeah, it off. But he also cites, he's like, well, you broke up with Betty and now you're, you know, spending right he's just listening you're not doing reasons. sports yeah. whatever it's just like okay like what is wrong with you like he's making it seem like right. there is this utter issue right well he's he's not Kevin. meeting the masculine standard of man for tom keller right so he decides he should join the basketball team basically he drags kevin down and is like you're on the basketball team now and everybody's just kind of like why are you here yeah <laughs> julian's obviously a dick about it but oh, he he made it so much worse. And he ends up, you know, they're in the locker room and they're all doing their stupid talking. And it's, a you know, who's a virgin? And all yeah, this, this guy just lost his virginity. We're so proud of him. <laughs> right. And then he's like, oh, we should have changed our names. Uh, instead of the bulldogs, we should be the horn dogs. Oh, he's like, so, fuck so fucking funny. <laughs> you're disgusting. I hate your face. Yeah. But then Archie is like trying to stick up for Kevin and he kind of calls him out a bit. And is like, well, like, when did you lose your virginity? Or like, you're still a virgin, aren't you? And then Julian's like, actually, for my 16th birthday, my dad hooked <laughs> me up with sounds typical with too. Twilight Twist, who is, I'm guessing, a sex worker. And it's just like a 16 year old child. Mm-hmm. Twilight Twist is at least 30, if not right. more. And your father arranged for this? <laughs> like, what? What the actual fuck? So then he, like, kind of offers to set Kevin up with Twilight Twist. To, mm-hmm. to like get the job done, basically straighten him out. And Kevin accepts because he figures this is the only way he's going to get anybody right. off his back. So <laughs> it's just like so fucked up. It's so sad. Like I was really sad during these parts. It's I'm the like, worst. This is like the worst possible thing you could do to this poor kid. Yeah. So he goes and meets up with Twilight Twist. We don't really see what happens, but we find out afterward because Betty makes Archie go intervene because she runs into him at Pops and he like (laughs) kind of can he asks about he asks about Kevin and I thought that it was it was sweet that he wasn't coming to any assumptions because he's a fucking idiot though okay all right he is 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 so stupid in this episode Uncle Frank is basically talking to him about about Kevin and like why he's on the basketball team and he's all but saying like Kevin's a Nancy boy and that's why he's on the basketball team because we're trying to make him a man and trying to change him like he basically says that and Archie's still like what I don't get it I don't understand why is Kevin weird he seems normal to me and it's just like you're an idiot you're a goddamn idiot okay I agree with you the lines he was given were not great no I feel like like if he didn't have to say those things it wouldn't have been so bad because (sighs) I did find him to be a good ally. He was very for, sweet. Yes. He was very sweet. and But the fact that he was... He was comforting, but yes. The fact that he was <laughs> unable to identify what was going on before... Even we by got the end, to this point. Yes, really get it. Yeah, and actually, I thought it was really funny because I can't remember what Uncle Frank was saying to him when he was eating breakfast. 
but he I'm said something happy. vaguely homophobic or or even overtly homophobic. And then Ar- he said he's like Uncle Frank basically tells Archie his dad just wants him to be a reg like a normal guy, a regular guy. Right. But then you're right. He did. I think he did say a few other things that kind of just like they were a bit more blatant about yeah. the homophobia that was going right. on here. And and Archie finally seems to get it. And then he couldn't finish his breakfast. And so like Uncle Frank is like, oh, where are you going? And he's like, I've lost my appetite. She's like, your homophobia pissed me off so much. I can't finish my Fruit Loops. Yeah, that was quite a stance he made. <laughs> right? Like, he's so dumb. He is really sweet and supportive of Kevin in this episode. But he's ah, like dumber than a bag of rocks. And then I even felt bad, too, because, like you said, Archie talks to Betty. Betty is like, oh, no, like, he should not be with Twyla right now. Right. So Archie then goes to, quote, unquote, save him. Yeah, intervene. <laughs> and great. I loved yes. it. Yes. Definitely should have done that. But then I really hated how Sheriff Keller's like, oh, you needed Archie to save you. Like, Yeah, well, that whole scene was fucked up because then we find out that it was actually Tom Keller who put Julian Blossom up to suggesting Twyla Twist. Which yeah. again, fine for Clifford. Condoning yeah, this. <laughs> fine for Clifford Blossom because he's a fucking sociopath. But for Tom Keller to hook his teenage son up with a sex worker worker who, by the way, should not be having sex with minors. She is a predator. And he is the sheriff. Like he should be arresting her. <laughs> right. <laughs> like what is happening here? Like there's just so much so many role reversals. <gasps> I can't handle it. Yeah. Tom Keller went to a very, very dark place in this episode. And it's gonna be hard to ever look at him in a Yeah, I mean, even in the beginning of the show, in the beginning seasons, he was a dick for a little while. A little then- bit, but like yeah. Not like this. And he earned his hot dad status. Yeah. And- Not like this. And honestly, in the regular time period, he was always supportive of Kevin being gay. He yep. was always nervous about Kevin picking up guys in the woods, which is fair. But he, <laughs> Kevin was not afraid to be out to his dad. Right. So yep. seeing the flip side of that in the 50s is very upsetting. Yes does not make Tom that attractive. No, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be hard to look at him without thinking about this and how fucked up it was. So, I mean, we basically end this story with Archie kind of reaching out to Kevin and Clay at the end and saying like, hey, can we hang out at lunchtime? Talk about I thought this was movies and music and whatever. And it's really sweet that I that he's trying to be more inclusive of Kevin. And I still don't know that he fully gets it. Or why people think Kevin is weird, but he does put together that, okay, well, if I'm a normal guy and I hang out with Kevin, people will not think he's so weird. So exactly. he's at least got the good intentions there. I just, I still don't think he knows what he's doing or why. Yeah, he's working on incorporate, <laughs> but it kills me that KJ Apple can act this way. Like, like an idiot? He's really, <laughs> no, but he's really selling it. You know what I mean? Like you can act like a doofus, but like, you know, deep down that the, it comes through that, like, okay, this actor isn't a doofus, though. But oh, he's so really playing it up. You really like, believe that KJ Appa might be a doofus? He might be a doofus. I would honestly believe that a little bit. Yeah. I think he's a bit he might doofus-y. be a little bit of a... From what I've seen little... on his Instagram, I feel like he's kind That's of... That's true. He's very silly. <laughs> he's very silly. So maybe... Maybe, maybe he is a doofus. Maybe he is a doofus, and we love he's him for it. He's definitely a himbo in the 50s. <laughs> Okay, and now we can get to uh, uh, a, a typical Veronica. The Veronica tale. of it all. After she gets okay, <laughs> <laughs> telephones exist, right? Yes. 
Why is she getting a telegram from her parents? Because, because, John. <laughs> so she's like tanning in her living room. Yeah, she has a tanning lamp in her living room, obviously. That's a thing. Love it. <laughs> Not going to lie. I was very jealous of it. So she gets a telegram and her parents are basically like, no more allowance. We're not giving you any more money. Yeah. You better start working, you know, at the Babylonian. So she, of course, is like, Ugh, whatever. But she doesn't really like fight the idea. She just kind of like goes with the flow a little bit. Yeah, I don't know why she didn't just start with selling that painting and getting a bunch of money to live off of. That would have been smart <laughs> right at the get go. Right. So she like shows up for her first day or whatever, and she sees that Clay works there also. Yes, we finally get a little bit more of Clay, but honestly, yeah. like not that much. Not a lot. I mean, I feel like it's it's surface level. Yeah, it's surface level. The job he, you know, like it's a job that he would have. I I think you know, like, and he describes why he, you know, what he does want to do with his future. Right. And it makes sense. So then Veronica does her most Veronica thing, <laughs> and she's like. Oh, there's not like a lot of people fucking showing up. <laughs> Literally no one. Go to the movies any like nobody goes to the movies anymore. She'd be horrified by the present day. <laughs> oh god. Well, she does put on her very good Nicole Kidman. I said the same fucking thing. She basically makes a Nicole Kidman AMC commercial for yep. the Babylonium, talking about how great and magical it is to be in the movie theaters. You know, just like Nicole Kidman did when she was trying to get us to go back after COVID and nobody bought it. And (laughs) I think a similar thing will happen here because, you know. It's, yeah. And (laughs) she, you know, she shows. Mr. Lemley. She's trying to sell Mr. Lemley on the idea. And he watches the commercial and he loves it. And he's like, but, you know, it's too late. They're going to rip this place down and make it a parking lot. And by they, he means her parents because her parents (laughs) bought it from him, which is like wild to me because was this their plan all along? Because they arranged for her to have this job at the movie theater. Did they know that she would love working at the movie theater and then arrange to buy it from him just so they could tear it down and like break her heart? Like, was that the plan or is this just stupid that they arranged for it to begin with? That's usually their plan. They always have to literally knock down a building somewhere. Like, honestly, it's, that's so harsh, though. <laughs> just like Everything is about rebuilding when it comes to the freaking lodges. It's like, here, honey, here's your dream job. And then we're going to buy it and tear it down. <laughs> Hope you liked working there for three days. Right, exactly. Like, what the fuck? Unless they had an idea that she'd sell the painting. Why? Like it was a test. Oh, like to, to see, see if she'd like persevere. And like I actually had that thought go too. Go above and beyond. Because like that's a very Hiram thing to do. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like let's teach her a lesson and see how far she gets. Right. And then she got pretty far because then she fucking bought the place. Yeah. So so Veronica can't stand that idea. She goes home and takes the first painting off the wall she sees, which by the way, she says is hers, but I honestly don't think it is. Like there's no way she no. bought it herself. And so I don't even know if she has the rights to to sell that painting but she apparently trades it for this theater and uh yeah so we can we can expect to see another veronica lodge business venture it's funny though that she owns the babylonium in the 50s and she owns the babylonium in present day yeah and she would have i mean again we're just making her herself in every decade right yeah we're just repeating the same sort of a teenager owns a business yeah because that's normal that's totally normal for sure i did want to mention that it was a cute little nod that they did they talked about the drive-in the starlight drive-in that was just opened which is obviously the drive-in that jughead was living slash working at in season one so very like kind of a cute little reference that they threw in there 
Yeah, I think they use their noggin sometimes. Sometimes. Oh my God, did we do this? Did we do the whole thing? I think we did the whole thing. In the preview. Yes, we finally back. We finally see the arrival of Reggie as a as an ad transfer student. Yeah, I mean they're they're bringing him in to like pump up the basketball team. I guess he's right. a farm boy with really impressive talent or something. So maybe we'll get to see Veronica and Reggie back together because it does seem like Veronica thought he was dreamy. Yeah. I always liked that relationship. I did too. They really fucked that one up. Yeah. Worst. And they had to fuck it up more by dating in real life, breaking up, and then it probably influenced the writing after that. I mean, it definitely did for Cole Sprouse and Lily Reinhardt, so. Mm-hmm. Yes, it did. That's why you should never date your coworkers. I know, but it has to be so hard for them, especially when they're playing oh, on-screen couples. Yeah. Like, how do you not? Like, when they were dating, they had that one sex scene that I was like. <laughs> yes. All of their <laughs> scenes were just like. Yeah, they were You could really tell. Cool. Like, they were genuinely into it. But I think that's also why Friends was so special. Because none of those actors ever dated. And even though, like, David Schwimmer and Jennifer Aniston admitted that they had crushes on each other at the time. Like, it just never worked out. And maybe that's what allowed the show to continue for as long as it did without major problems. Because they didn't have to work around weirdness that's or true. whatever. Whatever, but. And they always brought in outside people to get involved where it's right. like with this show, it's just they incestuous. Really, they just <laughs> they just keep recycling yeah. and it's like you can't there's no growth there. Yeah, I mean, doing that. We brought in Chad and then killed him and then we brought oh. in Glenn and we killed him, too. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not good to be an outside party. <laughs> We brought in, uh, who was the witch from? Oh, Heather? For Cheryl, Heather, yeah. Yeah, she's not she's dead, not though. dead, but she's gone. Yeah, she's she's out of there. Because she said that Cheryl and Tony were, like, soulmates, and yet Tony is married to Fangs, and they have a baby. Or uh, an, an adult, adult baby. An adult baby, Anthony. <laughs> That's never not going to be funny. <laughs> they have an adult baby serpent. <laughs> Can't put a baby in a gang. No, you cannot. <laughs> So they made him an adult. <laughs> and then put him in the gang. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. Okay. We will miss this show when it is over. <laughs> Sometimes. In these moments only. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so this week's pod pick of the week is the podcast nobody asked for. <laughs> and I absolutely love their whole shtick. So Graham and Ian, each episode, it's TV movie related, so just like us. But they will each come up with their top three things. And each episode is a different category. So some examples. Um, the top three characters that were recast and hope that you wouldn't notice. <laughs> or another episode. Top three sitcom characters who should have a serious prequel. Mm. So they're, ex- they're really fun topics. So definitely check them out. There's always a different one. And it really makes you think of what yours would be. Yeah. So it's... It's definitely fun to think about. So check out the link on Twitter and Instagram on our post and give them a listen. So until next time, you know where to find us. Twitter, Instagram, the website. Stay up to date on everything. And is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I'm just sweating like a pig. So I need to, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I need to get out of here. <laughs> and until then, that's end game. <laughs>